Welcome to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. I am your host, Joanne Boyce. On this podcast, we're going to discuss all things inclusive marketing, from persona creation, campaigns, and even some of the mishaps we see in the media. Tune in and let me know your thoughts on how we can make inclusive marketing the industry standard. Welcome and welcome back to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. Today, we are joined by one of my internet faves. I know you're my real life fave, but I look forward to the SEO tweets and the chit, like I get all the banter. It's not even banter, like it's serious. But anyways, I figure out what's going on in the SEO and that world on Twitter from you and two other people. And you're one of my faves. Hi, Azim. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Hello, uh, that is a wonderful introduction. Thank you very, very much. And uh, I'm certainly feeling the pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell the people a little about yourself and yeah, why you're probably, my, I've given it away now, but yeah, what you do in marketing. <laughs> um, so yeah, look, uh, I'm Azim Ahmad, better known uh, online or in some spaces as Azim Digital, purely because people have difficulty spelling my last name which is another podcast for another day mm-hmm. um I work as a digital marketing lead in-house in the b2b and manufacturing industrial manufacturing sector I should add uh I do host my own podcast of which you were a wonderful guest and it's called the Azim Digital Asks podcast please check it out Bing um <laughs> It's important for me to mention that the the my my podcast I prioritise typically people from marginalised groups, so women, people of colour. I've had people in the past who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. I thought there's a big gap in the marketing podcast space for a podcast like that, so I created it. And then other than that, um, I also do uh, conference speaking. Fortunately, um, internationally now. Uh, People don't shout about their own successes a lot. So I'm going to very briefly say that I did a conference last year in Barcelona, uh, international people from over 30 countries were there. My talk was voted talk of the conference. Love it. The listeners are just dabbed, which is like 10 years old. That was my age there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very pleased to have got myself into a position where wonderful people like yourself are looking out for for things that I've got to say and different opinions mm-hmm. on on marketing and uh, I'm really really looking forward to to being a part of your podcast I know you mentioned uh, when we got together that you were thinking about doing this so on recording and we're going to say a massive massive congratulations for getting it off the ground and I will absolutely be shouting about this from every digital rooftop that I can think of Thank you so much. You're definitely a huge inspiration. And I love that you say you prioritize individuals from marginalized backgrounds, because I remember when you first started, I think I met you through Noise Little Monkey and we were talking about the diversity in the marketing sector. And I saw the podcast, I started to notice that you were doing it, but you didn't say it until I think like a few more episodes. And I'm just like, I like this. I like the just the <laughs> the action first part, which yeah. I feel like so many brands do it the other way. They they talk about doing it and then don't do anything. Yeah. Um, but yes, we're gonna dive into inclusive marketing. But first of all, I'd love to know what does inclusive marketing mean to you? Uh, right. I'm gonna give you the answer. It's not like seven hours long. <laughs> um but for me, 
the obvious answer would be, you know, marketing that includes everybody, hence the first part of the word inclusive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and typically, whenever I speak about things like this, it always comes down to the, the wider topic of like diversity and inclusion. So it's anything for me that would consider including people from all groups of society, including, but not limited to uh, people with a disability, for example, or people of a certain age, people of a certain or no gender, um, and even people from different, for example, economic backgrounds. Um, basically, the the short version is inclusive marketing is something, a form of marketing that is considerate and includes every potential group of people or speaks to, I should say, every potential group of people that there is. Okay. My follow-up question to your definition, because it's something I've been saying recently, is yes, but when you sprinkle the marketing on it, would you say sometimes exclusion is okay in the marketing context? Um, Well, I would need some more some more context on that it's probably something that we can pick up later on in the episode because it's definitely something that I want to discuss but I think giving a more broader brush answer Mm. in some contexts exclusion potentially is absolutely fine so let's go with something really obvious for example uh tampons or period products for example Mm -hmm. in that instance it's absolutely fine to exclude men because that's something that they're never going to need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. I'm not here saying if you're advertising uh, tampons or if you have a client that advertises tampons, immediately now start targeting men. Absol- absolutely not. But in the, in that instance, and in certain instances like that, I would say yes, in some cases, exclusion is fine. I think it's also important for, ver- for me to very quickly say parts of this area Obviously, I've got an interest in this, as you well know, and hopefully as your listeners and viewers will too. But I think it's a constant learning process and I will Mm. make mistakes along the way. You might have noticed or you might not have, but now that I have mentioned it, you're definitely going to go back and check. When I talked about earlier and I mentioned uh, people with disabilities, that's something that I've literally just learned about this week, that using the phrase disabled people is not inclusive language. And you should say people with disabilities. That's something I've literally just learned. So there might be similar mistakes like that on the way, but just know it's called learning. This is one that I, (laughs) I, there's a certain marketer I want to get on here who runs an agency focusing on um, disability representation in campaigns. However, on my own research, I am not a physical disabled individual. So this is my own opinion. It's divided on whether with disabilities or disabled person. And I think on a one-to-one basis, the individual would like to decide. Like some people Mm. in any other aspects would prefer to be called their ethnicity or black or brown or whatever. But the debate that I've seen within the disabled community is that with disabilities, in a persona creation aspect in terms of marketing separates the disability from the person. Mm. And then you're thinking, oh, well, we can just forget that because they are with it and we can think of them as this, but 
there are other people within the disabled community that are just very much no that is part of me and it cannot be removed but it's so interesting because when you're thinking about language and written copy and spoken word there's so like I'm sure the person that told you that was talking in regards to you know talking to them and that conversation yeah and then when I see it in written copy I'm just like oh but who are you actually talking there's something to question there when they're describing someone yeah absolutely it it's a tough one um but yeah like you said I think you've probably phrased it in in the best way it's probably better to let the individual make a decision on it but I do think you make a valid point no sorry go ahead I was just going to say it's very similar to one I'm probably more comfortable talking about where we talk about BAME or PLC Again, we can probably get into this later in the episode. Personally, many years ago, I was bam, bam, bam all the time. Um, but having seen the impacts and being told the impacts of just shoving everybody into this box, mm-hmm. and now obviously you as POC or person of colour or marginalised groups separately. It, I've been doing some research for a conference talk, actually, that I'm doing soon. Um and even I think it was minorities is probably not terms that you should be using. It should be, I, I've always used marginalized groups. I've literally got a newsletter called the marginalized marketer, but there are some terms that I've been learning where I've just thought, well, I didn't realize that this is not probably a term that people should reconsider. Mm-hmm. And I always think this is me just waffling on now. So shut me up. <laughs> I always think, I am someone much like yourself who has an active interest in this area. So I am interested in it. And I didn't know about certain things that I probably should be reconsidering. Mm-hmm. I often find my mind wandering and thinking there are people who aren't interested, who are still using these terms quite freely um, and are, are completely none the wiser for it. So it's not easy, but with it's resources like this, like you said it's a journey yeah it's a full journey because even with and if anyone dies into my history I literally founded a group called a BME collective which was a social group and it's funny because I always say with my past I moved here with my mother and that's when I found out I was black I have a very different perspective on the black British experience because in my head I go back to Trinidad and I'm just a Trinidadian like there's no there's no hyphen there's no other um, so I've not fully wrapped my head around it, which in some ways has been beneficial to what I do now. But I remember when we created the group, we first call it um, Black Social. And then we were at a gathering and we saw some of our, one of our members who was Black themselves stumbles in saying it. They, they felt uncomfortable saying the group was called a Black Social. So we mm-hmm. renamed it to the BME Collective and everyone was just like, yeah, BME Collective, BME Collective. And now I'm no longer running the group, but I look back at the social group and I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that name, but it's outside of my control now. But at the same time, I changed the name to make the people who were part of the group comfortable. So if they are comfortable, me not being comfortable as a marketer should, is, is a separate thing. It's such a weird balancing act. And Also, you mentioned about, you know, marginalized group, underrepresented. I was questioned recently when I was talking to a client 
I said, oh, you're representation of black and brown individuals. And they were like, don't you mean people of color? I'm like, no, <laughs> for you as a client, because I know if I say people of color to uh, this particular client, they're going to think Latinx and really light skin. And yeah, I'm specifically yeah. saying black and brown because of your physical representation of those individuals. If I say POC, you're going to find the like person with the slightest amount of seasoning. Yeah, <laughs> seasoning. <laughs> just, just, just like, you know, their great, great, great grandparent was like, I don't know, Spanish or something. And they're like, yes, we've done our bit. I'm like, no, no this is a stock photo. People can't tell that person. <laughs> they can't work it out. Like, oh gosh, how has it been? Because you've been doing the podcast and this conversation, especially publicly, a lot longer than I have. And I'm just curious to know, when you're talking to people about the actual representation in workplaces, what is the kind of responses you're getting? What is the the vibe in the world? I've still got a great story to tell you for this one. It's probably one you've heard me say when we've been on a, on a webinar together in the past, but I think it'd be great for your listeners and viewers. By the way, if you're listening, you can also watch this, I'm told. So please go and check it out. Free promotion. Um, <laughs> but, you know, back to the point. Um, some years ago, uh, I went into an organisation externally just to have a nose around and give a, an external uh, point of view. And I was I vividly remember walking to to meeting room, various uh, senior level executives and stuff there. I've got access to a lot of information from from the company. And one of the very first questions was, uh, <clears throat> so I was saying, what do you notice about us? And my first response was the effect of, well, I've noticed that you're all of a certain age, an older age group, uh, and that you're all white. And they were quite taken aback like this. And they were literally just like, you know, as if it was an offensive thing to say. And I said, it's nothing to feel bad about, but... Mm. The point of the matter is you are marketing to an audience that is not all of an older age or of white or who lives in a certain geographic or from a certain demographic. You don't appear as if you are speaking to the people who you are trying to represent. If I was your target audience, I would look at you and I would say, I don't see myself represented here. Mm. I'm not going to engage with this business or this service or buy this product from you. And they were like, oh, well, that's, there was a minute or so and they, they were quite taken aback. And then I, I genuinely thought something was going to change, but they basically said, well, what you might not know is, I'm just going to make up a name. We had uh, Deborah and Deborah left us last month and Deborah was a woman and she was 31. So she, she, what, what they didn't say was she ticked all the boxes, but they intimated that. Mm-hmm. So it was a woman. She was black. She was 31, but unfortunately we lost her, which affected the makeup of, of the board. They may as well have said, you know, she was our quota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's one of those, it's one of those things like uh well, actually, in fact, it's not one of those things. That's a lie, and I shouldn't really say that. Um, and I'm glad that's in that's on recording because now I've completely just checked myself on document. I don't think it's one of those things, um, because it's a frustration. I mean, I was, I'm sidetracking here, but like I said, I was doing some research for a conference talk that I was doing. and I was looking into things like, uh, for example, pay. Mm-hmm. Pay is something that's been quite big at the moment. 
Um, and literally, it's almost as if having a different skin color immediately means you're going to be financially penalized. Mm -hmm. We bleed the same blood effectively, don't we? And in some cases, it's a disadvantage. So back to that point where they were talking about, where I was talking about not being represented or whatever. I often, and it is often, and I'm not sure if you feel the same, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but sometimes, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to do like conference speaking for a while and I've been all over the place. I'm very fortunate to be um, in Europe again twice over the next uh, few weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. But sometimes I take a step back and I think, are they picking me because of the colour of my skin or the quality of my thoughts and research and feedback? And I have that doubt or imposter syndrome. I have that moment where I think, I'm not quite sure here. I'm definitely not the only person of colour, like on a lineup, for example. In some cases, I have been. Um, and I think, okay, maybe are they just ticking a box or do, have they seen me before? Do they like what, what they're saying? But the, the wider point that I'm making is I'm someone who has done this a lot over the past few years. And probably this is the first time I'm sharing this on a podcast. Sometimes I think, are they just picking me because I might tick a metaphorical box for them? Or is there genuinely something that they've seen in the past that they think I will provide value to their audience for you I know it's the latter you've reached out to me and you've said this is why I want you on on the podcast and and hopefully we're having a really good discussion about this which your audience will will love but like I said yeah sometimes I just think I don't know if you feel the same sometimes but I just think what's motivation I have had the same challenge and I have struggled when telling people to venture into what I do I feel obligated to warn them that sometimes it literally feels dirty like Mm. there has been rare occasions I think the occasions where it hasn't felt like that is where I've had to like apply and I have had to I don't know the example I use is there was a conference in Bristol I missed the application deadline and I was like, let me chuck in a talk. And then they like, yes, come. It was like a week before. And I'm just like, why, why did they say? And then <laughs> I saw the speaker line up and I'm like, this is big for me to be on this conference. But at mm. the same time, you didn't have any, any speakers of color, like none. And yeah. then I have the flip experience where I did um, digital gaggle with noise and the monkey and they asked me to speak and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. But they also had like three conversations with me about, hey, this is how our conference is. This is our audience. What are you planning to say? What, what, what is your talk? Have you, pre-? like, they vetted me for their audience and that felt yeah. genuine because it felt like, hey, yes, you may need someone, but if I'm shit, you're not going to have me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But whenever I'm talking to people about like going in, especially black women, I'm like, sometimes... I have somewhat accepted, and it feels weird saying this on the podcast, but I've accepted that sometimes I'm selling my blackness or I'm selling my womanness. And Mm -hmm. there's a balancing act in that because through some of the work I do, I see my counterpart, a white male marketing person who, for example, I'm not downplaying or saying ADHD isn't a learning disorder, I'm learning difficulty but they find that they have ADHD and all of a sudden they're applying for everything that has disability attached to it. They're mm. going for every application award. They go, there's no shyness 
And this mm. is the one thing. And I'm just like, if they're milking it and they already have all the privileges in the world, why am I beating myself up for milking it for myself? Because this is a disadvantage in other occasions, but it's a continuous and it's almost a situation to situation thing where I'm just like, am I happy if I find out in this scenario that I am the only person of color, the only woman, will I be comfortable with that? And if it's not, it very rarely is a yes, but I try and see if I can bring someone else in to, it is giving them an opportunity. This is a bit weird, it sounds a bit weird, but it's making me feel better as well. Yeah, no, it makes sense. <clears throat> it makes sense. And already from what you've been saying there, I already think that's several steps ahead of where someone in a privileged position would be. Cause I don't think they have that. I'm broad brush again, but a large percentage of that group of people will not have that awareness of the privilege. The percentage that do very likely will do exactly as you mentioned, put put their name forward for everything. So I have, I have seen some things. Haven't we all? <laughs> seen some things, but uh, the, in terms of the public speaking aspect of it, I remember I did a conference and someone came up to me afterwards and literally was just like, yeah, I tried to put colored people on my website and it didn't work. And I was just like, it's because, you know, when you see that everything you said did not go in and you're like, you are a bigger problem as a person. Mm. And my friend's like, oh, did you correct her? Did you know, just like, I wasn't in a position, I'm in front of like 400 people mm. to, to try and fix this person. But at the same time, I'm just like, that's what she took away from my talk yeah it's 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 but it, yeah it's a balancing act yeah yeah absolutely I mean yeah it is a balancing act I mean I was literally just thinking you mentioned like about conference speaking I think it was a couple of years ago I was at uh, Brighton SEO a very very if not the most popular conference in the UK and literally it's a, it's a few days event and over the course of the same event like completely two contrasting things happened I was in the I was in the queue waiting for a coffee mm -hmm. um I'd already done my talk at this time so I'm in the queue waiting for a coffee in one of the breaks and I just had a guy uh come up to me Asian guy very strong accent and he was just like hello I want a job and I was like okay I'm certainly not em employing at the moment I was like what do you mean he was like oh, I, I need a job and I was like okay what have you done already what are you doing like I was genuinely interested to help him and he was just like I'm here and I was like just automatically being at a conference doesn't mean that you're going to get a job I was like you're going to have to you're going to have to put the work and you're going to have to network and whatever and I was like look things don't just automatically happen and he's like oh I think he mentioned he was from India mm -hmm. so automatically I knew there was going to be some sort of language or like cultural barrier I'm not India Indian I don't have Indian uh, family but I know having family from the country next door that sometimes there is that barrier there and there's a certain expectation of just being somewhere will get you something but that's not the case over here for sure mm -hmm. so I, I explained to him I said look if you spoke to likely anybody else they would like tell you to go and you know sling your hook do you want what you're talking about I explained to him in the whole coffee break I was talking to this guy and I was like look you can't just expect for something to happen to you like you've you're gonna to have to put the work in and I was quite frank and I said to him I'll be honest you're gonna to have to put double three or four times the amount of work in as 
other people in this very building right now and he was like well what do you mean and I told him he was like right okay I didn't think of it like that so I put him in touch with a couple of people I said come on put a bit of the work in and the reward will come to you after so there's that there, there's that person who came that expectation of just talking to me will, will make something happen and by the way mm-hmm. during my book I never once intimated that I'm hiring or I'm looking for people or whatever anything else all he took away was the fact that he was <clears throat> looking for a job mm-hmm. anyway separately in that same event uh, a guy comes over to me another guy who uh, lives from in India and he's quite well known in like the Indian uh, SEO community came up to me he's like oh Azim lovely to meet you uh, we've spoken on Twitter a few times and then I recognized who he was from from his image and that he was like I came over here to see you, just to see you. And I was like, no, I was laughing at first because I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is me you're talking about. And he was telling me about how he went about saving or didn't say anything, just saving up his money, researching <clears throat> hotels and everything else and built his itinerary for the event around when I was going to be talking. And he was like, uh, yeah, I came to see you. He wanted to take a picture with me and everything. And I was like, I'm literally just a, a normal guy. He was like, no, this will mean a lot to me, blah, blah. It's like there's a big Indian SEO community who like sees what you're doing, really interested in it. And he was like, so many more of the community wanted to come over to the UK, but were having um, issues with visas and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's that's like incredible. I can't, I couldn't believe that someone had come from India. I, I didn't even know he, he was even in the audience. Comes over and he's like, yeah, we've spoken a couple of times, but I made a point to come and see you. I was like, that's incredible. Something like that is like literally life changing because I still remember it now. It was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with that group of people, or with the, the person who sort of looks after that group of people. I said, listen, we were talking about <clears throat> visa issues and that's another conversation for another day. But in short, when you're in a different country and you're trying to get a visa for the UK to call here will cost you an arm and a leg. Unless you're already in the UK, in which case the call is free. Mm-hmm. And most often than not, you'll get through to an automated line which tells you to wait. So you've paid for nothing. I said, just let me know. And as long as I'm free and not working um, in my spare time, I'm happy to just call up, give me an application number. I'm more than happy to to help you. I don't want anything in return from you, but me being able to uh, help and enable other people to like physically come over here and experience marketing, networking, conferences. Absolutely it's a win-win mm-hmm. back to the point about mindset earlier on I think my mindset is I recognize I'm a person of color and I'm in a, a good position now within the industry but my immediate thought is how can I create more people like yep. or who will do even better than me or go even further than me because ultimately we're only here for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. right? I'm more interested in seeing the next disease or I'm more interested in putting someone further ahead of me so I can look at and think, right, that's an aspiration for me. But there are others who think I've got this. I've earned this. I have to be done. My my box, my table, and nobody else is is getting involved. This is me. I've built this all myself. I'm thinking I want to share this with as many people as I can. That feeling that I got from that guy was incredible. I want to share that feeling inside me with more people because I, the more people have that feeling, I think the better the marketing industry will be. And the better, like, 
even the people who want to be the only one doesn't make sense when you know what marketing is. It's like you're supposed to have exposure to your audience. You're supposed to be able to learn and engage. So if you're not letting other people in and you're answering all the questions, you're being a bad marketer, just flat yeah. out, because you're not investing in that. And I think that's so amazing. You that like getting that direct role model feedback, essentially, because you hear like, I don't know if you have it. Sometimes people say, oh, you're a role model. I'm just like, Ugh. But when you see something, <laughs> when you see the change, you're just like, okay, this is why I don't, and I agree with you a hundred percent. I am fed up of being the only one mm. and I don't want to, and I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm just like, okay, it does nothing for me to know I was the, the only one in this room or whatever. I'm just like, okay, it just means I'm going to have to take on twice the amount of work, such as a black woman answering questions about my hair rather than my business. Mm. And, I don't I don't want to do that I don't want to educate y'all I want to talk about marketing yeah <laughs> oh my gosh okay um so work-wise I, I I just love like literally I'm just imagining a bunch of scenes in India right now just <laughs> <laughs> with extremely shiny heads <laughs> they're, just, they're just ready they're creating their content they're ready to come over here uh that was the thing that came up to my mind and it's a conversation I have a lot with some of my American friends in regards to the first gentleman that spoke to you, it's so fascinating how England is marketed externally. Mm. And I still say it's terrible, the history of England, but as a country, England and America are some of the best marketers. Mm. And I'm just like, there's so many conversations I have with people. I'm like, it's not like that here. Like our, a tangent, but our government part of report saying that it wasn't racist. Like that is... That report was not for the people in this country. It was for everyone else outside. And then they're yeah. telling them not to come. And I'm just like, do you guys not understand your messaging? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, depending on when this goes out, like you, you'll you see in the, in the news recently, the entire focus is all on immigration at the moment, as if there's some kind of horrendous immigration problem and horrific language being used. Uh to contrast with those reports and it just makes you think I often wonder and I should do it more I should talk to other people uh, outside of the UK about non-marketing things and just say what do you think it's like over in the UK like what's it like there was a separate to bring it back to Martin there was a separate conversation that I was having recently online about you mentioned about the UK and the US Mm -hmm. they operate in largely not wholly but largely very independently of one another mm -hmm. if i think about events networking events for example it's very rare that you will see or hear of people going from the uk to the us for an event unless obviously it's funded by the company or the event that they're going to but you will see and hear more of people from the us coming to the uk for events and I think that's largely down to the fact that compensation salaries are much higher in, in the US. I was doing a bit of digging, having a conversation about it. It was very professional and polite. And the conversation was, why are there not more marketing events in the US? And then I had a look. One very recently happened. I think the ticket was 1500 I was going to say pounds, but it's $1,500, which effectively mm -hmm. is not the same thing. They're probably worth more. But let's say £1,500, that is more often than not an entry-level person's salary. So that conference in America is saying, we want you to attend and pay your entire month's salary. salary mm -hmm. to attend. You've got to then justify that 
to your landlord, for example, um, or your company or your employer. And often we know this. I'm not about to say anything that neither of us or none of the listeners or viewers will know. Junior level roles have a very short lifespan, mm-hmm. 18, 24 months tops. You're asking a company to invest what they would pay you for one month, so give you two months salary in one month to send you to a conference, knowing that you're very likely going to learn more, get more skills, and eventually want to better yourself and move elsewhere for a different salary. You're basically saying, pay for me to become better and leave, which is not going to happen. So I think there's a there's a disconnect between the UK and the US, and I think it needs addressing. I don't know why US events cost so so much. Well, cost is subjective, but for me it costs a lot. Mm-hmm. But in the same way independently they're operating very well together and i'm not in the conference organizing space space but having done a lot of conference talks and being at a lot of conferences and speaking to a lot of organizers i can see where the costs are involved Uh, electricity in the us is the same electricity that we get in the uk it just we just pay more for it for example it's a straight it's hard to sort of qualify in terms of the conferences something i've noticed especially with international women's day recently passed was conferences wanting to be more diverse but not wanting to pay the speakers and it baffles me especially the ones based in London where the ticket price is up there and I'm just like I know I'm not an accountant I know I'm not a conference planner but I feel like you have some budget especially Mm -hmm. when I see they have top-notch not to name and shame but I know Gary Vaynerchuk and Steve Bartlett aren't speaking for free Mm, so you you planned their budget but you want these people like in regards to any aspiring public speakers in the marketing sector is there anything you would say tips to negotiate that have you had to negotiate that not to get in your business you can decline to answer yeah Yeah, absolutely I think uh, I'll very quickly say that I was asked to speak at an event where there was a very uh, popular uh, person speaking um and then we were having a conversation about this when I was very new to this we were having a conversation about me speaking there and then towards the end when we're about to seal the deal they basically said right so your fee is going to be seven and a half thousand pound and I was like whoa but then that's what I would have had to pay them to speak (laughs) (laughs) and I was like right absolutely not absolutely not but to answer your question the very very first thing to do is simply ask excuse me simply ask what is your honorarium what is your speaker package what package is available i always 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 make a point of asking two questions whether it's what an event that i've pitched for or whether it's an event that's gone out of their way to ask me to give a talk there i always say what's the what's the speaker package and what does your lineup look like it's a polite way of saying are you choosing one person of color to be at the event Mm -hmm. so there's an event that i'm doing later this year for example where i'm not being paid to do it um but they are looking after all of the speakers for example by putting everybody up in a hotel taking them out for dinner and they've made a a very huge point to say look we've hired out a a huge venue there's going to be hundreds if not more than four figure number of people there this is what the tickets will cost and they've already said whatever money they make on top of their fees for the day will go straight to a charity who are going to be the main sponsor 
of the day. And I was like, I'm absolutely fine with that because they're not lining their own pockets mm-hmm. for profit off the back of myself and however many other speakers knowledge they've got. So they couldn't, they said, we don't pay our speakers as a rule because anything we make on profit goes to a charity. Great. But I've digressed a bit there. Always ask, what's your speaker package? And if there isn't one, there's got to be a trade-off. For example, will they, if you live 300 miles, for example, from where, where the conference is, are you then expected to travel off your own back, organize your own travel, train, bus, boat, fly, walk, whatever? And then if it's 300 miles or more away from in that case, you're probably not going to go on the day because most conferences start at nine o'clock. So you're going to have to give up time and money. So it's always important to ask what's available, what's on offer, whether you've pitched for that conference or whether the conference has reached out to you. And secondly, I always ask what's the what's the lineup of the event? I always make sure. That I ask and I don't think not many people do it typically organizers won't say well we've got Joe Jane Tim Tommy Sally whatever they won't name names but they will say we've got 30 speakers of that certain amount of percentage are people of color we've got a male female split of this amount it makes me feel more comfortable knowing that I'm going in, firstly into a space where that's considered but secondly and probably more importantly I'm going into a space where I'm not going to be feeling like the only person mm-hmm. from a marginalized group there i'm going into a space where i know my people effort. will be there and, and like you said that, that they've made an effort so my advice there would be to always ask the, the absolute worst thing that can happen if you ask is they say we don't have a budget we can't pay for you but it would be remiss of me not to end this answer by saying um very good friend of mine Arie Jabwali she's very very well known in the SEO industry she has set the absolute blueprint for events she's created a space for women only it's called women in tech SEO you should check it out Mm -hmm. she runs an event once a year she's literally just run one she makes a point of paying all of her speakers she does it in London. I think the last one was at the Barbican. So very well-known places in the capital city of the UK. The ticket prices, I'm not going to misquote them, but they are very, very reasonable. You're not going to pay seven, £800 for this event. They are affordable for every level of seniority within a business. On top of that, she offers scholarship tickets. So she tells businesses, you can pay for a ticket with someone from an underrepresented group to come and attend this event. But she looks after her speakers. She'll she'll pay them, take them out for dinner and stuff. And I think more conferences should do that. She's charged an absolute fraction of what some of the bigger, more established events in the industry are doing. And I, I genuinely mean a fraction of what they're doing, yet is still able to pay speakers it doesn't matter if you're a speaker for example there might have been a woman speaking there who's probably got i don't know a year's worth of experience in in marketing or or has i'm making a point of not saying only or has 30 followers or 300 she generally doesn't care about the number of followers like your social score or index all she cares about is are you going to provide value to the community that she's built i think it's over five thousand people now it's huge and i absolutely that was one of the the three people I love when it comes to tech SEO. Mm-hmm. Um, she inspired the speaker database that I built for the Southwest. Like I saw her women in tech speak, and I'm just like, I love this because a lot of the time, especially when there are groups that are creating spaces for 
marginalized individuals, women, people of color, disabled people, a lot of the time, the only way they can get money from corporates is by charging corporates for access to those individuals. Yeah. Um, and I, everything that she's done has made it sustainable as far as I know from the outside, but also allowing people to see the women that she's backing and highlighting and pro- profiling them as mm. well without having to to do that bit um not saying that that's a bad thing it just tends to be the way the model is running communities and building communities is a lot of work it's hard work and a lot of the times depending on the community you can't always charge the individuals and you're charging corporates so a bit of inspiration I need to go to one I I know I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna be like what (laughs) (laughs) no she's she's absolutely brilliant and I think uh on that point like we depending on when this goes out, <clears throat> excuse me, depending on when this goes out, we very recently had International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I deliberately yesterday uh, well, it was yesterday, I've said it now, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> I deliberately um didn't make a specific social post about it. Like it's International Women's Day. Here are five women who I admire, etc. I, I just think a lot of it is is for vanity because like literally today the the day after Mm -hmm. international women's day i was talking uh to a friend of mine in the industry female uh, runs an organization runs stuff is looking for sponsorship the the company that she was talking to for sponsorship basically said well um we can't pay you but we can give you like uh, yeah we can put it put your or your image um your logo on our website and i'm thinking i bet if i she didn't tell me but if if i know who that organization was and if i were to look on their their website or or their their socials there would probably be like an iwd post Mm -hmm. we want to celebrate all the women today and i'm going to in the talk that i'm doing in a in a few weeks time uh, so for context the talk is about equality and how you can uh align that with with digital marketing part of it i make a nod to the the gender pay gap app the the bot the the ass love the bot fantastic absolutely fantastic because it literally puts everybody on blast whether you're doing really good things or whether you're doing really bad it's at the point now where you will be on blast within seconds i just think you can't it's just tokenism ticking a box call it what you want it just so this is absolutely perfect (laughs) because This is coming out the week after I had my mini rant. So this year for International Women's Day, I went on a strike, a fake strike. (laughs) I was just like, the theme is equity. And me speaking for free is not equitable. Not saying that anyone who asked me to speak, I assumed. I just was just saying no and passing opportunities elsewhere. Um, But I was also just something was rubbing me wrong about it this year. And I don't know if it's because I'm feeling people fade away from the whole awareness they had in 2020 around Black Lives Matter mm. and, I'm pe- and I'm just starting to get really cynical um, but in that podcast episode we I shared about my whole theory of spotlight saturation and normalization so I feel like when International Women's Day started the spotlight and I feel like people were putting intent into their content around mm. the theme and were relating it and now we're getting to the saturation phase where everyone's just chucking stuff out and even with the bot the bot is one of the, I think, the best opportunities to be transparent with your brand values. Mm. And people are just not responding to it. I'm just like, if I got tweeted by the bot, 
no matter what my gap is, if my gap was like a thousand percent, I'd be like, these are our initiatives we're working towards. We still want to spotlight the people in our community we think representation. Like I would say, you know, and they're just, they're letting the bot tweet them and some of them are deleting their tweets, which I think is a cop out as well. Um, yeah, and they're getting, <clears throat> well, let's call it what it is. They get absolutely peppered for it. The, the worst one that I saw yesterday was Wiz Air, the airline. Mm-hmm. standard stock image of a, a group of men and women stood in front of a, of an airline but the gap was something like I don't know it was huge the gap between men and women was huge and the worst part about it was the gap had got wider in the past year so, so they deleted the tweet but I went onto Wiz Air's page on Twitter everything they've put out since people are just throwing that tweet back in there so no matter what you do the internet doesn't forget. <laughs> the internet does not forget. And oh, it will come, it will come for you. But like you said, to own it in that way is much, much better. It's something that I've spoke about a huge amount of time. I literally said, what did I say? Uh, this is what I said. Executive bonuses, leadership bonuses should be tied to your DEI and diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Mm-hmm. You say on day one of year one that by day 365 we're going to achieve this and in year two we're going to achieve this if you don't you shouldn't get a bonus mm-hmm. same way people mm-hmm. get bonus for profit growth or whatever reducing certain lines on your PL, that should be potentially one of those things that you think right well i'm not going to get a bonus because i'm not i'm not doing that literally i could talk your head up about some of this stuff i was just like there's so many things it's but... a frustration the biggest thing I want to mention, I'm not going to end this recording without saying this. The biggest thing I want to mention, you've heard me talk about this before. We do not talk about the fact that we don't link up certain characteristics together. We it's talk exciting. about the pay gap. We talk about, okay, women are paid less than men. We talk about the fact separately, like, for example, I know in London there's a 20% unadjusted ethnicity pay gap. So... We do not talk about those two facts together. I always say, right, women are paid less. And as an example, black people are paid less than their white counterparts. Nobody ever puts those two together. I've certainly seen and says, well, what if you're a black woman? Mm-hmm. You're going to be penalized for, for being black financially. And you're also going to be penalized for your gender. So somebody who identifies as a black woman will be almost double penalized for absolutely no logical reason. And we don't talk about that. I would love to see like a future version of the of the gender pay gap app as a race pay gap. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that. there was talks of it reported. And obviously, this is not a political podcast, so don't take any of this. <laughs> um, there was talks of them implementing one, but the companies apparently didn't have the data to even know what the gap is, which is a whole other thing. Um but the intersectionality and and <laughs> I again I'm cynical to all of this. I've been in this world too long, so it's fine to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that to be like I'm about to say a terrible thing. But sometimes when I talk to some clients that I'm training, when I talk about hey, you can represent a dark skinned black woman, they're like, huh? It mm-hmm. the, and when I show them examples like within stock photography when they're searching women, I'm like, you you realize all the women that come up are white. They're like, oh, I never noticed that. Mm-hmm. and I'm like so what do you do when you want to represent black and brown people um and they, they they either go to a specific 
stock photo data set like the black uk black tech which is an amazing stock photos data set but they will still pick the man and i'm mm. just like so you just skip past you don't even continue your target audience is women you have an opportunity to make it intersectional but it was too hard so you skip past it altogether mm. and tick one of the boxes rather than it's just it's interesting however <laughs> we can talk about so many things <laughs> um I want to know, we're just talking about International Women's Day's campaign. It doesn't have to be a campaign around that, but do you have a campaign that you've seen either recently or in the past that was inclusive, good or inclusive, bad, um, pops to mind? We will link it. If there's a video or anything, we'll link it in the description. Okay. Apologies if this one has been used uh, before in a, in a previous episode, but when I was doing some research for a, for a campaign, uh, for this talk that I'm giving, I came across the the Dove hashtag Show Us campaign, which you've probably seen or heard about. Literally, I was like, "This is exactly the sort of campaign that I want." And I don't know if it's ever been uh, dug into or sort of dived into in any depth, but it's like literally, for those who don't know, it's a women-led campaign. Um, it focuses on on proper diversity in in all all formats um, and with this campaign, the images, there was not, or there were not any any digital assets. So the images from this campaign that I've seen sort of blew up all over social media over the past few years. The images that I've seen, I've seen, for example, women who were slightly larger, so not like a very slim young blonde woman, um, people who, I can't think of the right language to say. So, for example, there were there were Muslim women in headscarves. Um, there were women who suffer with dwarfism. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right term. I'm very sorry if that's the wrong one. Um, people of different colours, um, models with, I think it was Vitaligo, literally everything. Immediately, I thought, I'm going to look at this campaign and I'm going to look at it in the eyes of someone who is, or try to look at it through the eyes of someone who doesn't care about this stuff. And I th- what would they say upon looking at this? And I put it in, in, in my slide deck. Great, wonderful, love to see it. Did it work? What's the point of it? Did it work? Mm. I looked into brand value of Dove. Uh, shout out to Statista for, <laughs> for having some of this information. Since that project has come out, um, the brand value, I don't have the exact numbers, but it skyrocketed. Now, it might not be as a direct result of that campaign, but the fact that Dove are reaching out to and including the audience that they are speaking to, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. If the brand value had completely nosedived, the first thing that everybody, including Dove, would probably blame is that campaign. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's skyrocketed, people are not like putting two and two together. Dove on its own is a very strong brand. I could give you a salt bar in a certain shape and you wouldn't know it's a Dove one because mm-hmm. that's what the brand is. But the fact they're considering this and they're doing this shows that is incredibly inclusive marketing. It is probably one of the most um, popular ones. Uh, but yeah, I was looking at this and I, th- I thought I'll dive into the numbers. And I was like, that's incredible. I made a point of looking out at some of the images and I was like, if I didn't know, this is me th- from my own lens now. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know that this was a campaign specifically targeted like for women and being diverse and focusing on every different group of society, I would simply think this is a great ad uh, for Dove. I wouldn't put two and two together and think, right, 
this is a focus on diversity in all sorts of aspects, body type, cultural backgrounds, religion. I'm just seeing women advertising product and thinking, great. But the wider point, did it work? Absolutely. Brand value through the roof. Dove is one of our faves. I want to do a case study on them. They have a good recovery. Like Mm. in terms of when we look at examples of fuck ups, Dove is one of the ones that started a bit shaky. The reason it was on our radar is because they had some campaigns that weren't great, that were very bad, but their recovery has been consistent. Um, This one was on our list, but more so because I think they made the images public as stock photos. What I love about it is practical. Like, yes, it's a campaign. Yes, it's, it's promoting their brand values, but at the same time, it's giving their marketing team stock photo resource. Mm. It, and it's just like, okay, here, this this is what we have. It's engaging with their audience. And then all the women who they've included, models or so forth, are now advocates for Dove. Um, and they've now got another campaign where they're talking about what does professional hair look like in relation to Black women. And the fact that they've continued and they're still practical. I think sometimes, and this is what I asked you about the whole inclusive marketing and, and exclusion earlier on, Sometimes when people focus on inclusive marketing, they focus solely on doing it for the good and Mm. forget the marketing and the practicality of it. I love when I see stuff like this one that the project show us because there's so much practicality aligned with everything else. Yeah. The longevity in that is beautiful because people, there'll be a point where people just, like you said, use these photos and not know where the camp it originated from. Yeah. And it's stamping within history. I love it. I love that one. It's for the wider good, right? And just, I mean, just to add on to what you said, you made a perfect point earlier about intent. You can tell from the outside that the intent of that campaign was genuine, wasn't forced, not being, not doing it to tick a box or whatever. It's genuine intent to to serve the audience that it wants to speak to. And I think that's important. I've made a very similar point in the past. We talked about International Women's Day, the intention behind a, a huge amount of those posts was not to recognise and uplift women. It was purely for social media engagement, in my opinion. Feel free, if you're listening or watching, to disagree. But I would challenge you to find any one of those brands with a large gender pay gap and tell me that on the, let's pick a random date, I don't know, August the 4th last year, what they did to uplift women. Because August the 4th was hashtag cookie month. They can't can't hashtag it on another day. Come on. The point remains. I think intent is is absolutely absolutely key. And I'll I'll, I'll round off by saying this. I very briefly mentioned that Dove has got a very, very strong brand. I could give you a bar of soap in a certain shape. You would know it was Dove. Mm -hmm. Or a shampoo bottle, something that I'm not familiar with, by the way. But um, <laughs> give you a certain product, you would know it's stuff. You do not have to have a strong brand to do inclusive marketing. For me, that's a misconception, which I think this podcast and hopefully other episodes that you do will, will, will shatter that misconception. You could sell something like industrial tank parts mm-hmm. and do inclusive marketing. Simple as. I was challenged on that recently. I was just like, so we have a a scenario we play when we're building the platform, the software, where it's like, what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario, some bad person can make a really inclusive campaign. 
And at the end of the day, inclusion comes in various ways when you think of marketing. It's the language, it's the representation, it's the strategies, all those things. But if they still wanted to do something bad, inclusive marketing is not going to stop that. Like with International Women's Day, they could have had amazing copy. They could have had the most representative pictures and all that stuff, but the company did jack shit. Mm -hmm. So they don't always, ideally in that Dove case, it aligns and you want it to align and the marketing should always align with the company values and the company's mission and all so forth. Sometimes it doesn't. Not saying that anyone listening has a bad company, but <laughs> no. But there are there like yesterday, for example, International Women's Day. There's a huge opportunity there for people with genuine intent to turn something around. I would I would scour that hashtag. I wish I could remember the woman's name, but I can't. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a post uh, from a woman, not a brand. A woman. She was a firefighter in her firefighter's gear, holding her two two children. I don't know if you saw this, but she basically said words to the effect of. Uh, I've been a firefighter for for 12 years now. Uh, when I told my partner at the time, on the day that I got accepted, he had me in a chokehold. Uh, do we need International Women's Day? Yes, we do. And I'm pretty sure that one of her two children was a young girl. I saw that and I was incredibly moved by it. I was like, that is incredible because firefighting traditionally is seen as a male dominated industry. Mm -hmm. If I have anybody who works in that industry, who does marketing in any form, I would reach out to that woman and I would say, this is absolutely fantastic. It's genuine. The intention is great. I would love to do a campaign with you and give you the spotlight. Not because we want social engagement, because we think posts like yours in that authentic tone could potentially lead to more women thinking that there's a career in firefighting for them in a heavily male-dominated industry. Stuff like that. There are opportunities there which I don't think people look for. It's more how many likes, shares, what impressions are we getting? And I think that's probably a problem with the with the marketing industry. There's many problems. <laughs> <laughs> We're working to things. There's many problems. Um, I want to have you back on the podcast to chat AI because we haven't had that chat. <laughs> as soon as you said problems i'm just like oh there's a there's a mini storm oh, yeah. brewing there's a mini storm brewing and Absolutely. i would love your seo perspective on it as well uh because yeah. oh, i've got thoughts on that i saw literally one today from a woman in india who's harmed herself massively journalist i would never do it she'd used ai to write an article about something which clearly she hasn't got an expert opinion on nor is an expert herself but quite clearly left the prompt from chat GPT in the article. And I'm like, you no. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about it another time. <laughs> That's a whole other journey. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Let the listeners and viewers know where they can find you. Oh, well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I am on uh twitter at azim digital i'm on linkedin uh forward slash azim a1 if you can find me that way if my seo is any good you should be able to type in how can i contact azim and i should have the featured snippet there i'm in an ongoing battle with a small jewelers in london who share the same name as me for that top spot but ask google how can you contact me and if i'm not number one i should be number two if you click it it will help me to get to number one <laughs> Top two, top number two, I love it. Uh, <laughs> Quote and Beyonce, I love the way, perfect way to end the podcast. <laughs> and we'll also put all those links in the description, in the transcription. Um, thank you so much for joining me on the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. Please, if you are listening, you can watch us on YouTube and see Azim's beautiful face and follow us anywhere on the internet. <laughs>
Have a lovely day.